Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. Thank you for being a part of our service. We started a new series last week entitled Christmas Light. And if you could, um, Nathan, if you could just put up the Christmas Light logo uh, the slides are all on my computer up in the office this morning, and uh, my morning was a complete train wreck, and so everything that I thought I was going to do did not get done, and so my slides are all finished. I did all of them, but they're sitting upstairs, so you're going to have to uh, uh, take notes, and I guess we could say that we would go old school because you don't have slides and sermon slides, and uh, so... Um, I'm going to have to encourage you maybe a little bit more to open your Bibles or turn on your, uh, your phone or your iPad or whatever it is that you use for your Bible this morning because they won't be on the screens. Um, and I apologize for that, but uh, uh, God knew what was going on this morning before we did, and I think we'll be okay. But last week we started a series entitled Christmas Light. And we spoke, I spoke last week really on, on what light is. And a lot of what I did last week was some of the simplest form of light, just what we're sitting in right now, the, the on and off, the power type of a thing. And then I went in a little bit in more depth, I guess you could say, and I, I spoke to some degree of some of the science of light and, and that light is a wave and light is energy and light is moving and, and light is a lot of things. It's, it's at 860 plus thousand uh, miles a second and, and all of these different things. We kind of spoke of that in some regard last week and and so we went through some of these things, and then we, we referenced that because the passage that we spoke on in John chapter 1 spoke of Jesus Christ as being the light of the world and Him being the light of men. And, and we went into those things and, and how that affects each and every one of us. This morning we're going to be continuing the series of the, the, the Christmas light and the title of it being the light of grace. And we're going to be in... Matthew chapter number one this morning, and, and some of you will probably, once we get into the service or the sermon and the passage of scripture, you'll probably, or you, ever, you already have looked at the, the, the bulletin and looked at the, the passage that we will be in, and you're kind of going, wait a second, all of those verses are all a bunch of begats and a bunch of names. And uh, if you bear with me, I promise all of this will make sense, or I'm going to attempt to make it make sense. Um, but as we get in this morning, we're going to go into Matthew chapter 1 and we'll, we'll look through the beginning. And, and really, I would assume that I'm not much different than most people in the room. And when you come to a passage of Scripture similar, similar to this, you kind of skim through some of those names a little bit faster than what you do some of the other passages of Scripture because you're like the begat and 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 then there are all a bunch of names that you can't pronounce anyways and then you get more frustrated trying to go who in the world would name their child this um, but this morning we're going to read through all of that and and I want us to just take a a real deep look a little bit here this morning at some of the genealogy and the the, the reasoning behind what this is. In the beginning of the New Testament, Matthew begins to write, and, and not really just write, but he's writing the genealogy of the king. We have to understand that there was complete silence that was roughly over 400 years prior to this time. 
There had been no prophet speaking, no, no words had been written from Malachi to Matthew for roughly 400 years, and, and there was no new revelation. And Matthew comes in, and Matthew begins to write of the genealogy of the King that is to come, the Messiah that is to come. And so, when we get into this, I'm going to really explain in the introduction, and I'm going to probably do more reading in the introduction than I normally do, but, but as we get into this, I'm, I'm doing this for a specific reason, because there's a lot of stuff that we are going to get into this morning that you and I would say, and we would proclaim Jesus as King, and we would, we would say all of these things. We sung of them as the Messiah, as the King of the world, and we, we talk and we sing of all of these things. But the reality is, you and I can't do that minus what we read in Matthew chapter number 1. Though you and I, in the day and age in which we live, 2015, in America, we do not live based on our lineage. We do not live based on genealogy. The President of the United States does not become the President of the United States because his heritage and his genealogy and his bloodline enables him to be the President of the United States. We don't live. We've never, most of you have never grown up in a place or in, a, in an era of that. I know I don't understand fully what a king is because I've never lived under the reign of a king. I've never lived under the reign of a queen. We don't fully grasp some of those things. But what I do recognize, and the more that I've studied and the more that I'm looking at these things, this does not, especially as we look at the genealogy of Christ, this does not happen at all minus the bloodline and the genealogy of all of what we will look at this morning. And so as we go through this introduction this morning, I want to make some sense going back to the Old Testament, bringing it to the New Testament, and the the introduction is really the the length of my sermon more so than the points here. But, But as we go through this, you would not or Jesus could not even consider to be the king outside of his lineage matching up. And so if we go back, the bloodline would be from King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, God said that through the prophet Nathan to David, that it would be through the loins of David that the king would come, who would ultimately reign in Israel and set up an eternal kingdom. This was never fulfilled in Solomon. And the people waited and waited and waited for this to take place. Some 400 years again, as I just stated, had passed that they had been waiting for the Messiah to come. But if Jesus were to be the king, if the one that we are celebrating the birth of in the next few days, if Jesus were to be the king, his lineage, his genealogy all had to line up and it all had to come through the throne of David. And so if you would, if you have your Bible open to Matthew chapter number 1, we're going to read through this passage, then I'm going to continue into some of the, the introduction here and we'll get into some points this morning. Matthew chapter number 1, starting in verse number 1, says this, The book of generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. 
Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh, and Zara and Tamar, and Pharaoh begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. And Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Nason, and Nason begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of, of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse. And Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Rehoboam, and Rehoboam begat Abia, and Abia begat Asa. And Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat began Joram, and Joram begat Ozias. I'll say this, I've read this I don't know how many times this week thinking I was going to read this out loud and get all these names right. Once you start doing it, it just does not flow easily. So verse number 10, and Ezekias begat Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jeconias, and his brethren about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zorabel, Zorabel, and Zorabel begat Abiud, and Abiud begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor. And Azor begat Zadok, and Zadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliud, and Eliud begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Mathan, and Mathan begat Jacob. And Jacob begat Joseph, the, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are fourteen generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are fourteen generations. Father God, I thank you for the day. Lord, I ask that you would use your word to speak truth into people's lives this morning. God, I pray as you've challenged me over this passage of scripture and the genealogies and the lineages and all of those things this week as I better understood, I pray that it would come forth to the people. And God, that we would recognize that we would understand the grace that you've given not just to us, but even going back to those in the bloodline. Father, be with us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Again, what I'd like to do is, in this introduction, is really just take a serious look at the, the lineage. I will promise you this, I'm not going through every person's name and every person's storyline that's in this passage of Scripture. Some of you are looking at me already going, where is he going with this and how are you going to preach based on all of these people's names? But we're not, we're not going to do that this morning. But what I want to do is I want to go back and I want us to understand why would Matthew have written these things? And what does it then have anything to do with us? And, and where does this come to play 2015? Why we're looking at lineage that goes back some 2,000 plus years and, and we're, we're, where does all this come in? And so if we were to go back quite a ways, we'll kind of begin to see where and why the lineage seems to make sense. If you were to go to the Middle East today, the names and the genealogies and the lineage means a whole lot more to them than it does to us. If we look at it here today in Scripture, we'll, we'll do a few different examples of, of where this comes in and how this, this takes place. But if we go back after the conquest of Canaan, Remember when, when, when they went into the land of Canaan, they took the land with, flowing with milk and honey, and just as God had promised them, 
And then after conquering that land, it was was essential to determine what your tribe was and what your heritage was so that you knew where you were to be and how and where you would set up your home and where you would live. That line of all of the land was divided into and based on the tribes of the children. And so based on that, we look at after the conquest of Canaan, if I did not know my lineage, I, could not, I would not have known where my place was within my family, within my, where I was living. If we take it a little bit different, a little, a little bit deeper, in Numbers chapter 26 and Numbers chapter 35, you had to know your tribe, and I'm not going to read all that, but you can write that stuff down, but you had to know your tribe, you had to know your family, you had to know your father's house so that you could identify yourself in the right location in the land. So when we look at that, just in that circumstance, if we go to the book of Ruth, chapters 3 and chapters 4, speaks of being able to transfer property only and based on the requirement of the accurate knowledge of your family tree. God had a design and God had a plan to keep the tribes the lands within the tribes. And so there had to be a pedigree. There had to be that lineage to make business transaction with the land. Another interesting thought when it comes to some of these things is in Ezra chapter 2, I believe it's verse 62, these sought their registration among those who were reckoned by genealogy. Again, after the Babylonian captivity, the people started coming back to Israel. And at the end of 70 years, they began to flow back in. And one of the things that they began to do was people would begin to say, Hey, I am a priest. I am this. Hey, I am of this tribe and I am this. Because all the tribes were labeled a little bit different. And if you were a priest or if you were this, and there was, there was different labelings. But if you would come in and you would say, Hey, I'm a priest. And they began to go, whoa, well, here's what you need to do. You need to base your tribal, your lineage, and your genealogy has to be based back to the tribe so that you can be, yes, this is a priest. Yes, this is a priest. Yes, this is a priest. And they began to to do some of those different things because people were claiming to be something that they were not. God was serious. If you know much about the priests at that time, God was serious, or even today, but God was serious about who those were. So when they came to begin to to lie or to say one thing or another, they had to prove that based on their genealogy, based on their lineage. So they needed to know their pedigree for the exchange of land, for their tribal location. They also needed to know it for the priestly identification when they returned from captivity. We come here, we're looking into the New Testament, and those are just a, a couple stories there or, or examples in the Old Testament, but we come into the New Testament, and Matthew, excuse me, Matthew is going through the genealogies. And as we share and put all these pieces together, we look that in Matthew and Luke, there's genealogy of Christ. One of them says one thing, one of them says another thing, and it takes us to the same point, and I'll get to that in just a second. But Luke, sharing the birth story, starts in, in chapter 2. Uh, well, well I, I jumped ahead. But in Luke chapter 2, one of the story, in the story that we always tell at Christmas, what are they doing? They're gathering their things. And there went out a decree among Caesar. And they were doing what? They were going back 
to their cities, back to their towns so that they can pay their taxes. What was that? How did they do that? Based on genealogy, based on their lineage. They went back to those times and back to those places. And in Luke chapter 2, it said that, that they went where? To the, it was uh, going to register into their own city, which was the lineage of David, was what it says in Luke chapter 2 for Joseph and Mary. What were they doing? It was the same thing. They were lining themselves up with their heritage, lining themselves up in their genealogies, again, as Scripture needed to take place so that we could have what we are, what we are about to celebrate today. And so as we continue to go through this, we look in different places. In Romans chapter 11, Paul even does something very similar. In Romans chapter 11, Paul uses his genealogy. In chapter number 11, verse number 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Paul himself was letting it known, this is who I am, this is my genealogy, I am a Jew, I am this, I am that. And he was letting the people, the the. those that he was teaching, know who he was and why he was able to do what he was doing. Because it was so important to the people in the Jewish culture. And this is why you see there are at least 50 genealogies in the Old Testament. Because there were reasons, not only the royal line, the priestly line, but in terms of property transfer, in terms of so many other things. Today, this is a whole lot different. In America, we trace our lineages. Some of you may go on Ancestry.com or whatever and try to chase, trace your lineage back as far as you can. My grandmother has traced the Flanagan name back as far as she can fa- trace the Flanagan name. Some of you may have done those same things. But when we look at the lineage, we don't live and dwell based on our lineage, based on our heritage, based on those things. If we were to even take that a little bit further into the gospel of Jesus Christ, there is not a Jew alive today that could trace their lineage all the way back to the seed of David or the seed of Abraham. As I was studying, one of the commentators made reference that the only genealogy that is still around today is based in Scripture. Because when Romans came in, when the Romans came in, they wiped all of that away. They took out all of those things and they wiped out the bloodline. They wiped out the genealogies. They wiped all those things out. And so as we get into this this morning... One of the things that was exciting, maybe a little bit uh, different type of a sermon this morning, but the only person that can be the King of kings and the Lord of lords based on God's word is Jesus Christ. And so as we go through some of these things, and we'll, we'll get in, into it a little bit here, but as we get through these things, I often just read through these and go, and let's get to the next part where there's something that has anything for me. Some of you this morning may sit here and say, well, okay, 
But there's so much to this. When we proclaim that we know Christ, when we proclaim that, that He is the King, when somebody would say, well, how do you know and how is this? Well, one of the things in prophecy is that it would come through the bloodline of David, that it would do this and that it would do that, and all of those things are proclaimed and all of those things come out here. Jesus Christ is the last verifiable claimant to David's throne. If he is not the Messiah, nobody else can ever claim to be the Messiah because they cannot trace their genealogies back to when David was there. Again, we're not going through every one of these things. But as we look here, we see a descending record leading through Joseph to Jesus. A descending record, it comes right down uh, from David and Abraham descending through Joseph to Jesus. Jesus' genealogy is also recorded in the third chapter of Luke, where that is an ascending. It starts with Jesus, goes back through Mary, and so you have all of the bloodline from one that comes descending that takes us to Jesus, from the other that comes from Jesus and goes back up to David. One begins with Jesus, the other ends with Jesus. It goes both ways and it all comes out the same in the end. It's as if the Spirit of God says, any way you cut it, He is the Messiah. So as we continue on this morning, a couple quick distinctions. Matthew shows the legal Matthew is showing the legal descent of Jesus as the king of Israel. Luke shows the lineal descent. Matthew shows us the royal line, whereas Luke shows us the bloodline. Here's what the difference is. The royal line always passed through the Father. So through the Father, it always came that way in the the royal line. But Jesus had no what? He had no human father. Jesus was born of a virgin. So, in order to have a bloodline to reign, he had to have a descendant of David through his mother as well. And so the line of Mary is also the line of David. Through Mary comes the line of David. Through Joseph comes the line of David. Through Mary, he has the blood of David. Through Joseph, he has the right to reign that belonged to David. Even though Joseph was not his father in terms of actuality in in blood, he was his legal father, which gave him that line. Again, Matthew follows the royal line through David and Solomon, David's son. Matthew follows it all the way down. He gets to David, and you have the royal line that went through Solomon. But David had another son. He had several, but this was... this. Uh, The other one was Nathan, and Mary's line came through Nathan. So what you have is one line coming down through David, then goes this way through Solomon, and this way through Nathan. So through Nathan, you come to Mary, and through Solomon, you come to Joseph. Both of them having the seed of David, both of them passing through the royal line. There's a ton of things that we could dive into, I want to give us one last 
thing here that, that, that points us to the bloodline and to Christ and how God had every detail dotted and every, all of those things. We're not going to read all of the passages, but in Jeremiah chapter 22, it speaks of a man named Jeconiah. Jeconiah, it speaks of a man that shall not succeed in his days. None of his offspring shall, or his offspring shall sit on the throne of David. If Jesus was actually the blood of Joseph, he could not have been the king to sit on the throne because he would have been cursed based on the bloodline through Joseph. So we see here that Jesus, because he has the bloodline of Mary and he has the royal lineage of Joseph, that he is able to sit on the throne. But we also see that if Joseph was actually his biological bloodline of Joseph to Jesus, he could not do what he does and sit on the throne of God because the bloodline through Joseph was cursed, therefore not allowing Jesus to sit on the throne. However, Jesus is able to sit on the throne because the bloodline went through Mary and Joseph was simply a legal father with the royal lineage and the royal heritage. And so as we go through this, again, I know that some of this stuff, I was very nervous and hesitant as to how I speak this or if I spoke this this morning, but I just felt it, it, it needs to be out there as far as us understanding it to the to best that we can. But as we go through this, there are so many different things. If you go into Matthew, you've got uh, Matthew 13. And when he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogues insomuch that they were astonished. And they said, from where hath this man, this wisdom and these mighty works come? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas and his sisters? Are they not all with us? From where then has this man all of these things? And they were offended in him. It's Matthew 13, 54 and 55. Basically, they were saying, this guy doesn't have no right. He's just some, some carpenter from Nazareth. He doesn't have the right to do these things. He doesn't have the he doesn't have it. Why do we have the passage in Matthew? Because we prove God's word proves and shows that Jesus Christ's genealogy that his line passes through exactly what Old Testament exactly what all of them always said. This is the Messiah. The Messiah is going to come from the the bloodline of David. The Messiah is going to come from this. Jesus was the last of the bloodline. At that it stopped. So as we go through this this morning. And as we come. Kind of to the end. And there's like I said. There's so much stuff that we could. Really dissect and, and get into. When he comes into the genealogies. And the, the bloodlines and lineages. And all of those things. My prayer is not obviously that I don't. My attempt is not to bore you with just all kinds of historical things. But as we look at the Christmas light, and we look at the lineage, and we go through all of these names from 1 through 17, and if we were to go over to Luke and go through all of those names, what we're able to see is this. We can see the grace of God all the way down through the bloodline of Christ. 
which takes us to 2015 where we sit today and the grace of God that enables you and I to call Him Father. The grace of God that enables you and I to be called an heir of the Son. The grace of God that would say, yes, I could use you or me, a sinner saved by grace that has no right or reason to be able to do anything based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a king. But Jesus Christ was not a king like any other king. He wasn't a king who ruled by law. He wasn't a king who ruled. He was a king who ruled by grace. And I began to search through, and as I was looking through these genealogies again, grace is everywhere all throughout the genealogy that we just read. He is the king of grace. He is the light of grace. If you think through some of those thoughts and some of those things this morning, not just that Jesus came as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, but how did He get here? I just made reference to Joseph would not have been able to be the the father based on the bloodline because his bloodline was cursed. I say that for this sake or this reason. Those bloodlines all throughout there, there's, men, there's multiple ones that have been cursed. There's multiple tribes that have been cursed. There's multiple things that though they can trace their lineage back, there's been the curse. And here's what is incredible. If you go throughout the bloodline and you go throughout the genealogies and you look in there, there's not a line of perfect people in there. There's a line of people who have horrible and wicked backgrounds and horrible and wicked deeds that they had done, but yet through that bloodline and through that royal lineage comes the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Through that is where you and I have access through the grace of God to be able to come to a place where we can say, God, I need you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so for the next just couple minutes, let's just look at a couple of these people that are in here. If we go to verse number 16, it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, and Joseph the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. My first, I guess you could say, point would be this, the choice of one woman. Mary. Grace of that one lady, that one little girl, teenager, Mary, who became the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Son of God. Nobody really knew who Mary was prior to that. Mary wasn't a person who just walked around and and proclaimed everything about, hey, look at me, look at me. Mary wasn't a person that was looking for fame. Mary wasn't looking for fortune. Mary wasn't doing any of those things. She was a a virgin girl who was not perfect. She was a young lady who who did not have perfection in her genes. She was from the line of Adam, which meant she was a sinner who just happened to, to honor God in her life as best as she could. 
Today we have, we have dis- distorted all of those things oftentimes. We have, we have made Mary out to be some type of a God. We have made Mary out to be some type of person. The reality is Mary is no different than you and Mary is no different than me. Mary was a lady who tried the best that she could to honor God and God happened to send an angel and use Mary to carry His only begotten Son. She was not a perfect girl. She was just like all the others. She may have had a a better reputation, but she was still a sinner. And here, just listen to this and, and keep this in her mind. She was still a sinner in need of the Savior that she carried in her womb. The grace of God to send His Son To choose Mary. See, there was many throughout the time after. There's passages of Scripture that spoke where where people would think Mary was something different or something special. But really, when we look through Scripture, blessed is the womb. Blessed is Mary. Even at a time, Jesus... And I didn't take the, the passage down, but even there was a, a passage of Scripture where, where Jesus was teaching and Jesus is going out and, and they asked him, hey, well, isn't that your mother? And he says, well, anybody who follows me can be my brother and my sister and my mother. And he kind of even almost puts her aside because he recognized the point and he recognized the spiritual need and he recognized all those things. She was still a lady. She was still a woman, though it was his mother that was in need of a Savior. The grace of God. Grace is unmerited given to you and I as sinners. Mary simply said this in her life. In Luke chapter 1, verse 46, she says, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. She got to a place she recognized that she was just the conduit. She was just carrying that son. She was carrying, though it was her son, she recognized that it was the Savior of the world that was coming. And as that angel gave that to her, just think of the grace of God, the light of grace to choose a woman by the name of Mary. What about the second thought, the choice of two men? If we go to verse number 1, it says the book of the generations of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. Two men that are all throughout history in God's Word. David. By no means was David a perfect man. David was a man who had committed adultery had a child and then murdered or had his had the Bathsheba's husband murdered David was a rotten father David who slaughtered multitudes of humanity so that many that is so many that his hands were too bloody to build the temple of God Abraham lied about his wife in Egypt and brought them both into shame Abraham who disbelieved God. Abraham who committed adultery with Hagar. Abraham again in in Gerar lied about Sarah and gave her to the king as if she was his sister. 
Two sinners, yet their seeds were of the Son of God. The grace of God again. It's amazing how God chooses to use these two men. But yet, just think of it. It's amazing how God chooses to use you and I. It's amazing how God would have chose to use anybody throughout this whole genealogy and throughout the whole list of people. And and some of those names we would know and we have studied and others of those names we have no idea who they are. Some of them may have been wicked. Some of them may have been godly. But regardless, He had the grace of God was shined on all of those people to bring about His Son, Jesus Christ, that we, in the grace of God or through the grace of God, may be able to bow our heads and say, God, I don't deserve You. God, God, I don't have any. There's no reason in the world why you shouldn't just strike me dead. But yet, God, you have chosen grace. You have given favor over my life. There's no reason. But yet, by the grace of God, He uses you. By the grace of God, He would use me. By the grace of God, He used a Mary, a David, and Abraham. It's just by... God's grace that we sit here this morning. There's so much that we can look at. But if we go through those two, I've got two pages of notes on David and Abraham or a page and a half. I'm not going to go through that. But if we just look at David, if we look at Abraham, I can imagine a time, the, the disappointment. I, don't, I, can't, I can't rack my brain around it. I don't know how. I, there's so many times. Have you ever just thought, man, in perfection, God is perfect and we can't grasp all of those things. But does God just look down and go, oh my word, what in the world is wrong with you? Does he shake his head? Does he, does he weep because of my, my failure? And to look down and he said, man, it was from the beginning. This wasn't like, this was a chosen thing that the, the seed, the bloodline would come through David. It would come through Abraham. It wasn't like, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. Let's do that. No, it was planned long before. And yet as God sat up there and he was thinking, man, David, wait a second. No, you can't do that. How many times in my own life has he possibly just looked up there and gone, man, Aaron, you, you can't do that. Aaron, stop. Yet in his grace, he would use the bloodline of Mary and David and Abraham and the grace of God to come down To speak to a wretched man like me. Think about that. He would use the bloodline of those people. Of whom would one day. We'll call him Lord. We'll bow. But yeah think of this. I don't know how many of you have children. I don't know how many of you have had the opportunity. To sit down. To kneel on a bed. Or to kneel at a prayer. Do something and say. To your children. 
and pray the prayer of salvation with them. That God would be gracious enough not to just accept me, but that he would use me to teach my children and to be able to sit down and kneel next to my children and say, EJ, the grace of God threw me to you. We had all the way down through that genealogy. He had the grace to allow all of them. And we have that same grace to do that to our children. Lord willing, maybe there to our grandchildren. Why? It's just the grace of God. If we move on to chapter to verse number three, and Judas begat Pharisee and Zerah and Tamar, and Pharisee begat Ezram, and we see Tamar. It was told Tamar, Judah takes a wife for his firstborn. Judah wanted a wife for his firstborn, so he took this lady. It was it was basically again, I'm not going to go through this whole story, but you've got this this lady who goes and and really just she's a harlot. She sells herself knowing who she was selling herself to. It wasn't even a, it was a plotted thing. She knew that her daughter-in-laws were walking and she knew they were coming and she, or the husband, sorry, the father-in-law was coming and, and she got herself all dolled up and she knew who was coming and she sold herself. She knew what was going on. It was plotted. But yet, that is the bloodline That is the genealogy. That is the grace. That is the mercy that Tamar, a harlot of incest. What if we went to another in Rahab? A harlot, a Canaanite who was unclean, who was outcast, who was a Gentile, who was a pagan, who was adulterous. She was not a a great lady at all. But through that comes Ruth. If we were to continue to go through, Bathsheba was an adulteress. So here's what we have in just the couple that we looked at today. We have two harlots. We have murder. But yet we see his lineage and his genealogy. He is a God of grace. As we kind of wrap up this morning, I'm skipping through a lot of my notes. But this morning, when we look at this passage of Scripture, there is so much that I... I'll just be real honest. When I started studying, I'm thinking, how do I tie this together? 
where would this passage of Scripture fit within the light of Christmas, that Christmas light? How does this all roll together? And as I was studying and as I was looking at these genealogies and as I was going through all of this stuff and to think of the grace of God with each one of these people, the grace of God with you, the way that the prophecy has as for, was foretold and how God used that to send His only Son, but in the manner in which He did it under the grace in which He did it. I would say this as we kind of come to a close. Jesus Christ is a friend of sinners. Jesus Christ came, and as we sung earlier, Jesus Messiah. A ransom for sinners. This morning, I do not know where you sit in this room. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know that if anything this morning made any sense, I don't know if I completely bored you out of your mind because you really could care less about the genealogy of of who Jesus Christ is. But can I just beg you, can I challenge you, can I encourage you in this? If you sit in here and you would say, yes, I am a believer, can I challenge you to run to the cross to accept as much as we can accept the grace of God and move forward with our lives and serving Him with everything that we have? Here's what we do so many times. is I look at my life and I look at who I was, and I look at the problems of my life, and I look at all the issues and the things that I struggle with, and I, and I watch all of those things, and I shouldn't do this, and I shouldn't do that, and I shouldn't have said that, and I shouldn't have said that, and I shouldn't have seen that, and I shouldn't have, and I shouldn't have, and I shouldn't have, and I can't, and I can't, and I can't. And it's God's grace that says, yes, you can. It is His blood that shed to wipe out those sins, to allow you to serve Him, to allow you to have peace, to allow you to move on, to allow you to love, to allow you to do any of those things. It's God's grace. Can I beg you this morning, believer? Accept God's grace in your life and run with it. And can I beg you, those that sit here this morning, and I don't know if there's any that sit here this morning that do not know Christ as Savior, but can I just beg you, Can I implore you to accept the grace in your life? Listen, there's not one person in this room that deserves the grace of God. There's not one of us in this room that deserves the grace of God. There's not one of the people that were in the lineage and the the list of names that we read out that deserved the grace of God. But God gave us unmerited grace when we did not deserve it. He said, I died that you might come, that you might live. I died for you. I died to give you hope. I died that you could live. I died for these things. I'm giving you grace. Take it. Accept it. You can sit in this room this morning and you can be miserable Knowing Christ as much as you can be miserable not knowing Christ. But accept the grace that God has given to you and give it to to Him.
Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.